This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. In these COVID careful days, this service was held outside. We hope you were able to appreciate the sound of the birds and the dogs, as well as the passing trucks and cars. The message of God's word is still clear and audible. Our second reading is from the passage in the Lord's Prayer that is the sixth edition. The Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray this prayer. It is embedded in the Sermon on the Mount, which is the summary of all God's law. It's the summary of the Christian life of the church. So here, the sixth petition from Matthew 6, verse 13. Let us pray. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Let us pray. Jesus, we ask that you would so undo us the power of your word that we read and that we hear that we might find that you're speaking to us and that we may respond by your spirit. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. In the 1980s, Jim and I lived in Virginia. And that's when I heard about Wilmer McLean. Wilmer was a grocer, and it was in his front yard that the Civil War began in Manassas, Virginia. It was the Colonel Beauregard of the Confederates that asked to use McLean's home as the headquarters for the Confederates. Therefore, when the Union Army cannons were arrayed against the Confederates, it was McLean's home that was shot. He remembers the family sitting down at the kitchen table for dinner, and a shot went straight through the chimney and hit the fire and scattered it throughout the kitchen. After the battle, the first battle of Bull Run, McLean did everything he could to put distance between himself and the war. He moved his family 120 miles south to a little-known place called Appomattox Courthouse. You guessed. The war found him. And on April the 8th, 1865, a knock on the door was a messenger sent by General Robert E. Lee asking if the following day he could use McLean's home, the front parlor, as the place to surrender to Lieutenant General Grant. McLean reluctantly agreed. The war that began in his front yard ended 
in his front parlor. And after the signing, the Union officers decided to take souvenirs. So they hauled away tables, chairs, pictures, anything that was not tacked to the ground went with them out of McLean's house. Once again, destitute because of others. I believe that McLean's life can mirror our own. No matter how much we try to stay out of trouble's way, evil, bad tidings, have a way of finding us wherever we go. And in this sixth petition, we hear, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Now, that word deliver is a word save. That word temptation is also translated as trial. So when we hear words like save and trial and deliver, these are words of crisis. This is where we acknowledge that not all is right in the world. There is a force that is working against us and is working against God's goodwill. And our lives feel at times like they are under assault. Do I hear amen? So our text today is going to look at three things. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are weak, but he is strong. So let's look at the first. Lead us not into temptation. The nature of temptation, it's universal. We all know what it is like. In Hunter's book that we got from the public library, Don't Push the Button, it teaches children how to be tempted. It just says that the only rule is to not push the button. And then it says, seriously, don't even think about it. And you keep turning the pages. It looks kind of nice, doesn't it? But don't push the button. As you go through the book, you realize the temptation gets the best of all of us. And so it is. Whether that's don't eat all that ice cream, or you know you really need to be doing this, but we put it off. Or we have that experience of wanting to watch entertainment that leads our hearts away from God. Temptation is that, is that draw, that pull, that we know we should not do something, and yet there's a whisper to take that road that leads in the opposite direction of God. Temptation is that pull to do what is against God's will. God's will, we know, is set forth in the Ten Commandments, in the Old Testament, 
It is summarized in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. It is witnessed perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. When we hear, do not lie, do not steal, do not covet, do not have sex outside of marriage, love your neighbor as yourself, turn the other cheek, what we see is what genuine humanity is to look like. We know what is right, and in these gifts of the scripture, we see what free humanity is like, free from selfish sin and destructive desires. We know what's right, but we don't do it. We fall into temptation. In his book, Over the Edge, Michael Giglieri writes about the nearly 700 deaths that have occurred in the Grand Canyon. Now, I don't know if you know what is the most common cause of death in the Grand Canyon. It is going over the edge, falling through carelessness. There are warnings posted everywhere, but people disregard them. A 38-year-old father joking frightened his teenage daughter, jumping up on the guardrail, flailing to get her attention, pretending to fall backwards onto the ledge that was there, yet he lost his footing and fell 400 feet to his death. An 18-year-old woman on the north side took leave of the path in order to have her picture taken at Inspiration Point. She sat on the ledge, which was 1,500 feet above the floor, and the rocks gave way, and she plummeted to her death. Do we approach temptation in a similar way, figuring no harm will come? That happens to others. We can see how close we can get to the edge. Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation. Does God lead into temptation? No. No. James, the letter James, was written by the brother of Jesus. James 1, 3, 13 says, God tempts no one. One is tempted when one's own desire grows. And when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Temptation comes from within. It also comes from without. In Luke 4, we hear that Jesus, after his baptism, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil outside of Jesus. Temptation comes from without. One commentator writes, Temptation is a pit into which we fall. The evil one is the power whose influence and 
draws us into the pit. So we have an image of life that we live. It looks like this. It looks like we're living with a minefield. And one wrong step can undo us. This is why we are to pray, lead us not into temptation. Now the original language of the Lord's Prayer is best translated as don't let us be led into temptation. In other words, don't let us be overwhelmed by temptation. When I was in high school, I read John Bunyan's classic, Pilgrim's Progress. Have any of you read Pilgrim's Progress? Got a few. It was written in 1678. It's translated into 200 languages. It's never gone out of print. And in the last year, so many movies have been made of this book. I encourage you this summer to watch one of them. So in this, Pilgrim is his name, uh, uh, leaves his home city, which is a terrible place. It is an awful work setting, awful surrounding, and it's called the City of Destruction. And he sets off on a journey to the celestial city, which he read about in a book. And what he read in the book stirred and met the longings of his heart. On this journey, Pilgrim encounters one temptation after another. Many of them occur in a town called Vanity Fair. The citizens of Vanity Fair focus all of their energy, all of their values on fashion, on food, on fun. There's no reference to God and no sense of meeting God. In the film based on the book series, The Hunger Games, we see something similar. In the post-American capital city called Panem, everything is about fashion and food and fun. Even when people's fun involves the death of children fighting for their lives. We live in a world like Vanity Fair. And we are tempted in a place like Panama. We need this prayer that Jesus teaches. We need to ask, don't let us be led into temptation. Don't let us be overwhelmed. But deliver us from evil. That word, but, rescue us, deliver us, Jesus includes this in the prayer, which means that he's fully aware that no matter how carefully we walk through the minefield of temptation, we're actually going to fall over the edge. We're actually going to be overwhelmed. Rescue us is the prayer. We will be plunged to our death otherwise. I don't know if you've ever heard the name Temple Grandin, a scientist. Temple was to come up with a new way to slaughter cows without having their stress hormones 
cause the meat to become untasty. So Grandin explored this, a way to keep cows calm. The number one rule is make it gentle. Never yell. Don't use a cattle prod when you open the trunk. Let the ramp be very gradual. Put them through a squeeze chute that feels kind of like they're getting nuzzled by their mother. Let them continue on smooth, curving paths, no sudden turns. Give them the feeling that they are going home. And as they walk along, they will not even notice when their hooves leave the ground as a conveyor belt lifts them gently upward and a blunt instrument strikes them between the eyes and they go from livestock to meat. Grandin calls this the staircase to heaven. Sin lures us onto such a stairway, one that ends in death and eternal separation from God. Jesus teaches us pray for deliverance, for rescue. That word deliver is the word snatch. It's a very strong word because we need our Father to snatch us, to rescue us from the evil we fall into. We need God's rescue and we are to have any hope of being saved. God does Precisely, in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. His atoning sacrifice on the cross. Jesus' blood covers our sin and reconciles us to God. We cannot deliver ourselves. It's not within our power. Isn't that what Alcoholics Anonymous says? We had to reach out to a power greater than ourselves. Evil is too big. It's too pervasive everywhere. It's too malevolent. It means to undo us. Deliverance must come from God through Jesus. And in that deliverance, we say thank you. And then we put on, as we heard from Ephesians 6, the armor of God. This is putting on Christ. The armor is going to look like Christ, dwelling in you, in relationship to others, in relationship to creation, in relationship to the Father. Ephesians 6 is a wonderful place to be this week in your own devotional life. Finally, we are weak, but he is strong. Remember those words? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones can give me wrong. They are weak, but he is strong. We are weak. We need the Lord. And in the gift of the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, the person of Jesus, we see all the things that God calls us to be as disciples. In the Lord's Prayer, concedes that we fail. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
The Lord's Prayer keeps us from thinking we are spiritual heroes. In humility, we ask for protection from temptation and rescue when we are over our heads. God stands ready to help. At the top of your bulletin, if you had that available, it reads from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No testing has overtaken you, and it's not common to everyone. God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, you will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but will provide a way out. What is it that you're going through right now? What are the issues that are stirring in your own mind, keeping you up at night? What's pressuring you? What do you see when you look at the world around you in your newsfeed? What concerns you that looks like it is a malevolent force moving against us? We are weak, but he is strong, and he will hold you fast. This is our confidence in praying the Lord's Prayer. Because we're taught to pray it, we know it's God's will. And when we know it's God's will, we know we're guaranteed the victory through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you for a confidence that is beyond ourselves and our willpower, and it's beyond what our eyes can see. You in the resurrection have shown that you are able to deal with sin in all its consequences. And so we pray that you would make us strong in the armor of God, that we may be people of peace, that we may be doing the works that you do with you on earth. We pray in Jesus' strong name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.